0: KG and this is not safe for networks. The montucky skies i'm biggs and i'm brandon how's it going brandon it's almost like spring out there yeah yeah like there was snow this week but it didn't stick i was at work (sighs) and we watched like some snow flying out and i was like fucking come on but fortunately it it didn't hang around but we got a lot to cover tonight um i guess we have to go through a giant death march here because yeah there's oh, a slew this week Yeah, four people I feel like this is the most we've ever had on the show to talk about But other than like, you know, when they were When we we're looking over the year or whatever But um, probably start out with uh, Arlie Ermy passed away at age 74 So he was in so much stuff But everybody thinks of him first and foremost from Full Metal Jacket yeah. Which was his first movie Yeah but something about being in a classic Kubrick movie, that's the one people are going to remember <laughs> you for.
1: Amazing that happens.
0: Yeah, he was a drill sergeant who wound up doing other things in the military and then eventually becoming an advisor for Hollywood uh, for how to handle the military in the movie. And Kubrick just wound up casting him for Full Metal Jacket and he fucking kills it. He's the one that's giving Pyle like a really shitty time before he fucking snaps and kills him um also my favorite role he's been in was probably saving silverman that one was a good one the one uh i really liked was uh frighteners yeah he's in the frighteners he was what a ghost around a grave who's yelling he's, at the, he's
1: like uh in charge of the grave site like keeping
0: all the ghosts like in the graveyard he was in the remakes of uh texas chainsaw massacre he was like the father yeah of the family not good movies but he was in them <laughs> god he's been
1: well he had his own uh tv show on history, uh, history channel.
0: channel yeah we're talking about the history of the military right well it was like uh modern guns and stuff that's right i don't
1: remember the name of the show but i remember watching it quite a bit but
0: and then uh Let's see, we also had Milo's foreman passed away. Uh, he was orphaned in World War II when his parents were taken to concentration camps for being Jewish sympathizers, or at least they were accused of it w- with the Nazis. Um, he directed Man on the Moon, The People vs. Larry Flint, Amadeus, Hare, and one of my all-time favorite movies, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Wow. So, Yeah, that dude had a murderer's row of movies, so... <laughs> He'll definitely be missed. I I love One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. If you haven't watched it, just watch it. That's a timeless movie. It'll always be good. Yeah. It'll always make you think. Like that that book that Ken Kesey wrote, which I've also read, it's just also super good. Um it really made you think about how cruel electroshock therapy was. Cause they basically like the point of the movie pretty much is um It's talking about Jack McMurphy, who is Jack Nicholson's character, and uh, just how wild he was and how he refused to be conformed. Like he basically fakes mental illness to get into a a cuckoo's nest, as they call it. (laughs) And, uh, you know, battles nurse Ratchet, who is trying to get everybody to conform and he just will not conform. And so in the end, they basically just fry his brain to yeah. make him conform super sad but such a good movie um i also like to point out to any basketball fans out there robert parish who is with the celtics uh his nickname was the chief and his nickname was the chief because they thought he looked like chief bromden in the movie <laughs> so that's why they nicknamed him because he had like a similar nose <laughs> 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 so um let's see who else uh harry anderson died. harry anderson harry the hat that's the one that probably affected me the most when I think back on it, because like Night Court was like a fixture of my childhood. Yeah, it was. <laughs> and that role was made for him, like Harry Anderson. What I didn't realize was he was like a he was a street music or a street uh, magician. magician, and he wound up getting his jaw broken at one point because he figured out how to do all the tricks and everything. Like he did his version of three card monty to, um, you know. Like basically con people and somebody broke his jaw and so after that happened he switched it to doing those styles of tricks but letting the people in on the the trick and then like he had a hat for donations and so he became Harry the Hat was like his alias on the street and so his first acting job was actually in the first season of Cheers and I think I read he was in five episodes Um, that sounds about right yeah like it seemed like Five, Like, probably four of them in the first two seasons. And then he was in the very last season. He's the one who gets uh, Gary's Old Town Tavern's bar bricked <laughs> up. Or no, not bricked up, like, destroyed. Like, utterly destroyed, right? Because they brick up Cheers. They brick <laughs> up the bar. <laughs> so, led to one of my all-time favorite moments where, like... Norm is like freaking out when he comes in in the morning and he can't get a beer. And so he comes walk, he goes into the pool room and he comes walking out with like a can of beer. And they're like, where'd you get that? And he goes, Oh, I keep emergencies around the, or I keep emergency (laughs) stashes around the bar just in case. (laughs) But, uh, what I didn't know is he played a character called Harry the Hat. And that was because that was his his persona when he got hired for cheers. So he just did that persona on the show. So what you see him do on the show was his persona before he became famous. Weirdly enough. I just thought that was really interesting. But, um, so those are the three guys I had. You wanted to talk about Patrick McManus, Patrick
1: McManus. Um, for those that don't know, he was a hunting and fishing book writer. Um, he lived in Spokane, grew up in Idaho. So, and a lot of his stuff was hunting, fishing, camping stories that are just fucking hilarious. Um, and I read, a, I've read most of his books throughout my childhood. Um, and there were stuff or a couple titles like, uh, they shoot canoes. Don't they, um, a fine and pleasant misery was a great book. Um, just, bunch of great books um he actually got his doctorate for writing from eastern washington okay so just outside of montana um i know montana shows up in quite a bit of his books
0: um He certainly has a following here. I've seen his books and people's shelves more than a few times. I know my dad's got a few. Yeah, he grew
1: up in Idaho. um, And so a lot of his books take place in Montana, Wyoming, Idaho, and parts of Washington. So,
0: you know, definitely
1: our neck of the woods.
0: Yeah. Not to take the uh, the levity away from that, but uh, I just noticed you're wearing a Pickle Rick shirt. <laughs> My Pickle Rick. Pickle Rick. I didn't see it earlier. I just all of a sudden I saw that tongue wagging at me and I was like, what the fuck? And then realized Pickle Rick's kosher pickles. Boom, I'm a pickle. <laughs> Big reveal. <laughs> anyway, um, I saw a movie I wanted to review today. So uh, earlier today I saw Blockers. Which, when I saw the advertising for this, like, it's about, like, some parents trying to cock block their daughters at the prom, and I'm like, that looks stupid, that's not something I'm interested in. And even though it has Leslie Mann, who I really like Leslie Mann, so I I thought about it for a second, but I was like, no, that that sounds kind of dumb. And then I read some stuff on it, and uh, apparently the director is a woman, I can't remember her name off the top of my head. And she was talking about how, like, so it's Seth Rogen produced it. And uh, they had kind of written it, but they had taken it as far as they could. And they needed a woman's point of view because it, it was three girls at the center. And so they knew they could only write so much with their experience. so she took it over and really changed it. And that's what made me want to watch it. I was just like, that's kind of interesting just hearing that story. And so when I watched it, it wasn't the funniest movie. There was a couple of funny parts. So it's a comedy. So I'm not going to totally say, like, check it out to anybody. But if you're interested in, like, formulas of movies, I think it's really interesting because it's really subversive to what that genre of comedy is. Um Like So first off, it centers around the three parents. One's played by a guy who I don't know, but he looks like uh, maybe like washed out Mark Wahlberg is what I'll call him. (laughs) He just looks like washed out Mark Wahlberg to me. Uh, And then John Cena is the second character and and Leslie Mann is the third. And so they all have daughters who basically make a sex pact to like lose their virginity on the night of the prom. And it's kind of interesting the way they figure it out because I was like, yeah, that's totally how that would happen. <sighs> Basically, they're they're chatting back and forth on Messenger on prom night. And one of the girls leaves her laptop open, so it's popping up. Like, all the Messenger stuff, Boop. which happens on my computer. Like, sometimes I'll come home and, like, a whole line of stuff I'll talk about on Messenger is, like, right up on the computer. I'm like, how the fuck did that happen? I didn't even know that started happening. So, I was like, right away, I was like, okay, that's that kind of adds an air of realism to it, but they're like decoding what they're talking about. And they're like eggplant. Like <laughs> that's a penis. Like they're decoding all the messages that they're sending back and forth. And uh, so they go out, they go out to basically stop it. So what's interesting is Mar- washed out Mark Wahlberg. Who's like, he's totally, he's kind of like, you would think he's a shitbag bag at the beginning, just because, like, th- the opening scene, he's just like, let's go get a beer. Seriously, let's go get a beer. And he's saying it, like, four or five different ways, <laughs> trying to get people to listen to him to go out and get a beer. So you're like, this guy's a shitbag right away. But he's trying to dissuade the other two from blocking the daughters because he's like, no, this is prom night. This is a special night for him. Like, you got to let them grow up. Like, let them be themselves. And the only reason he jumps into it is because his daughter is a lesbian and she's not open with it yet but he knows like he just knows and when she real when he realizes that she's going along and going to go with a guy then like he's horrified by it not and, and so this is where it starts to get a little bit like subversive to the genre i think is that like He's actually really try it's not from like a fear of sex per se. It's because he doesn't want his daughter to do something that's against her nature. Yeah, okay. Which is weird. I've never seen that in a movie before. Like that's definitely like a take I've not seen. Um Leslie Mann is coming from it in that she's very attached to her daughter. And she's more coming from the place of, like, all of a sudden, like, she finds out her daughter got accepted to UCLA, didn't tell her about it. Um, So she's like, what else is she's trying to hide from me? You know, it's coming from, like, this very protective place of, like, um, it's not the fear of sex, but it's like, it's just like she wants her daughter forever and she can't have her daughter forever. You know what I mean? So it's kind of coming from attachment. And then John Cena is initially coming from, like, sort of the alpha male, like, she can't, you know, like, sex is evil kind of thing at first. But then, as it's playing out, I mean, he's this huge guy, but he also cries at a lot of things. And, like, he's definitely sensitive. And it's just, he's just worried about his daughter, you know. So, like, it's a little bit subversive that they have him, like, crying a lot and um, actually, like, showing his feminine side, which is interesting. And it's just, like, interesting in that way because they just, they take all these standard things that you would think about, but then they sort of subvert it. And, like, even the daughters, there's, like, one of them is, like, basically telling the guy, like, we're going to have sex. And he's, like, well, yeah, if the universe wills it. She's, like, but it's willing it. And she keeps, like, pushing it on him. And then another one is, like, a drug dealer, but he's also a super nice guy. And, like... The third guy, you just kind of feel bad for him because like, you know, he's with a lesbian (laughs) (laughs) and he's a dumpy guy. And it's just like, you're also kind of like this guy doesn't necessarily deserve being experimented on so that she can find out if she's gay or not, which is kind of what it comes down to for her. And so it's just like it's really interesting because it's wrapped up in that. That classic form of like, you know, parents are trying to stop their daughters from losing their virginity, but then you you basically get into it, and it's like it's for different reasons. And by the way, like it's like the stories all resolve the way that they should resolve too, and like the parents are really the ones who learn a lesson. It's not the kids; like it's it's actually the parents learning that they have to let their their daughters make their own decisions so i really enjoyed it for that reason there was a couple of really funny scenes but it's not like like there's like two or three laugh out loud things but that's about it so i'm not going to pretend like it's like a laugh out loud comedy but i enjoyed it i enjoyed it just for what it was there was one really funny thing with butt chugging (sighs) Like basically to get into this party like John Cena has to butt chug against this other guy like he thinks he's just gonna chug and Ugh. like it turns out it's no they're butt chugging and I'm not gonna get into the in and outs of that but it's insane going full steve yeah and it's really funny and especially when you realize that like that the person he's competing against they didn't actually put it up his butt they're just like letting this funnel slowly drain out like onto the ground <laughs> this whole thing where he's like where he's like looks over at Leslie man he's like I don't have any lube and he's like here I'll spit on it he's like no that's gross that's why I asked her because like she might actually have something and she's like yeah yeah it's fine I got it and then like he turns around and she's like I don't have anything and he like (laughs) he just spits on it (laughs) it's so that part was really fucking funny. So there's there's a lot more. I'm not giving away the butt chugging. It's probably worth it just watching for the butt chugging scene. It's pretty great. <laughs> so I actually did see a
1: movie last night on Netflix. What'd you see? Another Seth Rogen production. Uh, Game Over, man.
0: Oh, I've had that on my queue. How is it? It's
1: pretty funny. Um the most dick i've seen on tv in a long time yeah and i just watched a john cena movie <laughs> god i mean the uh
0: i think you see daniel stern's dick daniel stern so that's what he's up to now porn nice
1: <laughs> oh god he looks rough <laughs> Um, he actually ends up getting his dick cut off. Oh. Yeah, and you see all of it. It's just...
0: Just gruesome. Oh, one other thing about blockers. Have you ever wanted to see Lumberg from Office Space's dick? No. Oh, well, you totally see it in that movie. (laughs) (laughs) Just reminded me of (laughs) it. Yeah. Yeah, he goes full Monty in it.
1: Yeah, anyway. there's this one scene where they're like the people that are taken. It's totally set like Die Hard. The movie is, and they're the people that are taking over the hotel, like are sweeping the entire hotel room to room, like finding all the people in there and like rounding them into the conference area. And so the three main characters like are holed up in this hotel room and like. You see, you—they you, saw the guys coming down the hallway, so they're like trying to figure out what to do. And the main character is like, "I got it, I got it. Give me your belt, give me your belt." So like, he pretends to like hang himself in the closet on the rod. Like, takes his pants off. Like he's standing there holding <laughs> his dick in his hand, so it looks like he hung himself. Like <laughs> auto erotic auto erotic asphyxiation. Yeah. and then like that scene just
0: goes off the rails from there (laughs) so is that title is that a reference to bill paxton and aliens no it's actually like
1: they end up making a, a video game based on the experience of that night and that's where it comes comes in but it's game
0: over man Game, Game over. <laughs> Interesting. Would you recommend it? I enjoyed it,
1: but it's really dark humor.
0: Yeah. Well that <laughs> sounds like my kind of humor then. <laughs> I really like dark humor.
1: Yeah, it's definitely it gets pretty dark in one place. Like he's the main character's growing this like uh salvia cannabis. In, like, one of the hotel rooms that he's, like, crashing in. And, like, this stuff is so potent. Like, you see the guy, like, smoke and he just, like, lays on the bed and, like, seizures for ten minutes. (laughs) That's like, ah, Yeah, that's the kind of humor we're talking here.
0: Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um... There's a new show on HBO now called Problem Areas, uh, which is Wyatt Sinek's new show, who's on The Daily Show. And so I checked that out. Um, so it it's strange because it's a late night show, but there's no audience. And it's Wyatt Sinek mostly talking to the camera, like talking to the viewer. And then they have these little cartoon interstitials. And it reminds me of like, PBS shows when we were a kid like I, I don't want to say PBS kids because that was pre us being kids but it's definitely like early 70s or like late 70s early 80s style animation like crusty the clown sort of no setup, like uh, like think like the electric company okay like, like kind of the cartoon interstitials they have with that yeah. or like Sesame Street or things like that from when we were younger and
1: the Great Space Coaster.
0: Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and um, it's weird because like a lot of the jokes kind of fell flat on me. Uh, like, there's some pooping jokes at the, at the beginning and stuff, and I'm like, that's ah, not really my speed. But as it goes along, the crux of the episode, and I guess the crux of this season is going to be talking about policing. And so, he interviews something like 10 different people and they talk about areas of policing uh which once again this is going to be the entire season so it's just like one section of it but they they concentrate a lot on like training in this episode and like if is that enough and then like hiring practices and things like that within the police department so the show was totally worth watching like a lot most of the jokes fell flat for me but i felt it was really informative and it was really and in- like Wyatt Sinek did a really good job when he's out in the field of like interviewing people and it's not like the daily show he's not doing them for laughs like he's actually talking about serious shit but then they'll cut back to him in the studio and then he'll make some jokes you know um, I feel like the jokes are gonna come in this show I just think they need to work it out you know what I mean like I, I think it's got to kind of find its humor But I still would recommend watching the show because I think they did a really good job of talking about a lot of the problems with, like, honestly, like cops kicking the shit out of minorities, you know, and like how they're trying to stop the problem, but how systemic it is and like. It's just a real problem of, like, figuring out how do you change that culture in the police department. That's mostly what the first episode was about. It was, like, essentially, like, how do you change the culture around the police department? And they don't have an easy answer, but I almost feel like that's what makes it a better show is that, like, they're actually, like, bringing – they're throwing a lot of stuff against the wall, a lot of things to think about, and they're being thoughtful about them and talking to a lot of smart people. About it so like I feel like Anybody who watches it is gonna learn Something so from that prism I think It's totally worthwhile Watching so I'll definitely keep Tuned into that I think it's on Sunday Nights so it'll be Opposite of like Westworld and Silicon Valley next week so Anyway boys, Sunday nights are getting packed Dude getting packed they've been Packed for like what eight years now Ten years like Sunday has been the TV night for a while Remember when it used to be Thursdays?
1: A long time ago. Yeah,
0: like must-see TV forever. (laughs) Now it's Sundays, but... Night court. Yeah. A little bit of news. So, um, Black Panther just opened in Saudi Arabia. And that's a big deal because they have not openly let movies be in the cinema in Saudi Arabia since the 70s. Wow. Yeah. And so, apparently one of the Shah's um he's basically he's trying to reform things and I'm not I'm not gonna speak out of school and pretend like I know all the stuff behind this but they're trying to ease certain things and so one of them is like they're reopening the movies and so it opened last night um and it was it was basically people who are by invite only but tomorrow like Friday it's opening for everybody in Saudi Arabia, so they can go see it. And it's only going to be movies that are sponsored by the the government or that the government okay's a- right,
1: approves. Yeah, yes.
0: So they're going to like look over any movie before they play it. But Black Panther, that's that's a fucking threshold <laughs> that I never would have thought they would cross. You know, for all the the god, that's line, that's line crazy breaking, crazy like
1: where Black Panther still breaking down walls.
0: Yeah. Isn't that crazy, man? <laughs> but uh yeah, first movie shown in Saudi Arabia mm-hmm. since like the 70s. So, like legally. There apparently there's been some movies where they were illegally played and then like they would get raided and people would break break ankles, crawling over walls and shit like yeah. trying to escape the the police. So,
1: yeah, that makes a uh, something that I feel good about living in the United States for.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we can watch movies that even make fun of the president, and it's fine. You know, like
1: he might uh, tweet the shit out of it, but
0: yeah. <laughs> oh, he's definitely gonna tweet the shit out of it. Are you? Are you kidding me? You can't keep that phone out of his tiny, tiny hands. But um, <laughs> you want to get sued? It's like you know how hard it is to like pull a phone out of your daughter's hands. <laughs> It's like twice as hard with Trump because he's got secret service, (laughs) which honestly, if they're doing their job protecting the president, they'd probably yank that phone right out of his hand. (laughs) Anyway, um, little bit of a a rumor here that I want to like just put to bed. So there's been rumors that Silver Surfer is going to be in the Infinity War movie, um, That is not happening. Like the Russo brothers came out and they were nicely saying like, well, maybe someday because like once this merger goes through, but not in this one. And people were persisting with the rumor. But here's where like where it all comes down. So I looked this up because I hadn't we've been talking about the Disney Fox thing. I had no idea where it stood. And so I actually looked it up today. So the CEO of Fox came out and did a, a meeting with all the shareholders this week. He said that the timetable right now is that they're going to get the deal done between spring and the end of summer in 2019. So we're a ways away from Marvel yeah. being able to do anything with Fox properties. It's just not happening. You know, and I don't I don't
1: really see foresee them uh, really pushing anything and I mean I don't think they're even going to start development on a lot of that stuff until they have shit signed away because i mean why all- would you if it falls apart right exactly yeah. i mean if if that deal goes south then i mean all the money that they would have would have invested in that is gone when
0: they got ant-man and the wasp in the tank they've got captain marvel coming up which by the way i kept thinking captain marvel was in this movie i guess she's not in this one she's in the second like she's in Avengers Four, whatever that is. They they even said they're not going to give the title away for a while after this comes out. So, yeah, it um, sounds like because I was listening to uh, Kevin Smith's
1: podcast the other day, and is this it, Fat Man on Batman? Yeah. Or, okay. And he was saying that the the rumored, um, and he didn't actually give the title away, but it's actually going to be a big spoiler. Like it basically the title of it is based on events that happen in Infinity Wars. So.
0: Right. But even then the Russo brothers said that there's gonna be there the audience is gonna need time to contextualize what they saw, not just see it, but like sort of hash it out. So yeah, it's just it's gonna be a while before we hear the name of Avengers Four, but
1: Yeah. The other thing I thought There was a really interesting episode of Fat Man on Batman. And one of the people asked Kevin Smith about um, what it take to bring Batman up to his greatness. And, you know, he kind of, I think he hit the nail on the head, like, what it really needs is time to breathe. And I think that's something that Marvel has done really well is because they're – I mean, they have so many different, like, things going on, but a character – they're given a character time to breathe so people can fully contextualize what's happening
0: mm-hmm. with
1: that character. I mean, meanwhile, they got something else in production. So, th- I mean, they got all these different horses in the same race, but each one has a time to breathe. So, you're not – we're not getting – captain america captain america captain america shut down your throat
0: yeah yeah they were kind of smart the way they did they did like the first movie which like led right into avengers and then you got avengers but then you got to like wait a while and then we saw like captain america like winter soldier come out right winter soldier and and then we had some little bit of time Right. We had some other movies going on, then you see the new Avengers movie. Like they've they've definitely spaced my mo- is a perfect example, I think. You had the first Thor that was like what the was that the third Marvel movie? Was it I'm trying to think. No, fourth. Fourth. Because it was Iron Man, Hulk, and then Iron Man Two, right? And then I think Thor and then Captain America. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So it was like the fourth movie that they had. And like and then you see them in Avengers, you know, but then like you have time and then they put out Dark world. and I think like Dark World was like the direction they wanted to take it, but the execution wasn't great. So I think they took a lot of time in developing Thor 3 to figure out exactly like what they wanted to do with it, which like totally paid off because by this point they'd realized like Hulk, not the best for a standalone movie. like Works really great is like a bit part. And so then you're able to pull him into Thor three and just make this really great movie, you know. Um, yeah, Marvel's been really good about spacing out their things and like figuring out what they want to do. And, and and when you like stack the sequels for Marvel movies, they're not the same movies over and over again. Like they're yeah. they're different kinds of movies, you know. Um. Like Iron Man is very much like sets up the franchise and stuff, and it's kind of like a classic superhero movie. But then you get to like Iron Man Two, it's more about like introducing some more things in the universe and pulling it more towards a comic book, I guess. Yeah. And then like Iron Man Three is more like dealing I don't know, with like PTSD a, sort of thing. Yeah, almost. like a man's battle with himself, kind of. Is I mean, a he's lot of not in this. Is
1: iron man suit for a large portion of that movie
0: yeah and i guess that was one of shane black's things was and that really like kickstarted a thing with marvel too where it's like they totally show them in the goofy superhero suit from the comics you know like they own that stuff but then they're totally fine with them running around with like just baseball caps and avenger movies you know yeah like like they'll have whole battle sequences where they're all just in baseball caps you know (laughs) and it's fine like because you know who that character is yeah marvel's really good at that they don't they don't get stuck into their formulas and things like they're they're not afraid to like open things up and try different things shit you see thor god of thunder in a hoodie yeah (laughs) (laughs) and missing an eye now (laughs) i think yeah, he's totally missing an eye, right? Like, we've seen that in the advertising now. Have you seen the new TV commercial they did? It was just a really short one, but the whole, like, almost the whole thing is, like, Star-Lord arguing with Thor. I haven't
1: seen... I've been kind of, like, Thor. Well, trying to, like, black okay, out... Let me tell you this, shit. because
0: it spoils nothing, like... Thor is just like says something really dramatic and Chris Pratt is like, did you just lower your voice to say that? Mm. He's like, no, I'm talking normal. And then, so Star Lord just starts impersonating Thor. <laughs> <laughs> he starts saying shit. <laughs> he's like, why are you? It's like, why are you talking like that? And he's like, oh, he's doing a of him. And Thor's like, are you copying me? He's like, no, <laughs> it's just really funny. But, uh, moving on. So Deadpool, Put out their third and final trailer uh, <clears throat> for movie theaters, anyway. So I know we want to talk about this. So all I did was pull three quotes from it, which I thought were great. The first quote was, "Pump the hate breaks, Thanos." Like talking to <laughs> to Cable to love, like breaking the fourth wall with Josh Brolin, right? Then he does it Gets again when he goes, "Better, yeah." So dark. You sure you're not from the DC universe? <laughs> Fucking great. He played Jonah Hex in the DC universe, so once again breaking the fourth wall. And then finally, this has nothing to do with cable, but uh, it, like they're apparently having some kind of audition for the for the X Force. And he goes, "Peter," and the guy goes, "I don't have any powers. I just saw the ad." And he's like, "You're, You're in. in." And then you see him like skydiving all <laughs> intensely. He's
1: like this middle aged, like overweight guy. Yeah, like, just
0: just. I don't even know the right term. Just a lumpy guy. <laughs> you know what I
1: mean? Not like hugely overweight, but just like a dad He's bod. He's like a schlub. Yeah. Yeah. And just like seeing him like full on like... Arm swept back like skydiving like (laughs) I fucking just laughed my ass off when I saw that today
0: that was the perfect trailer they've had a lot of really good like they've had a lot of good marketing for Deadpool but that was the perfect trailer because it just like it gives you the quick synopsis of what's going on at the beginning and then it's just like funny line after funny line I'm like yeah that's exactly what I want from a Deadpool movie
1: yeah I, uh, I'm i really excited to see where they, how they do with that movie because it does look great.
0: Yeah. The only thing I don't like is T.J. Miller. Like yeah. he, it's almost like they insist on showing him in every trailer. <laughs> I'm just like, uh, I really hope he has the same amount of screen time he did in the last one, or which less. was like two minutes. I feel like he's only in like two minutes of the last movie.
1: God, it's, it sucks go so bad because he was pretty funny in like his few little lines that he had but then like all the shit he's done i just fuck
0: yeah fuck that guy uh speaking of shit bags so warner's cut all ties to brett ratner you might remember last year gal gadot said she would not do wonder woman 2 if brett ratner was involved at all all the me too stuff was starting to come out with brett ratner so gal gadot just basically could not is is a dot it, Godot? it I is a Godot. Godot. no the t is not silent okay <laughs> i've heard i've heard it both but i've mostly heard this is heard Godot. this is from directly from Gal herself. all right <laughs> i mean it's from brandon but okay <laughs> it's secondhand for me <laughs> anyway uh so she was saying that she wouldn't have anything to do with Wonder Woman too if Brett Ratner was attached to. It. So Warner's cut all ties to him. They refused to uh, to um, basically pick up his four hundred fifty million dollar option to be a financier of movies because he was his company was stepping in and like paying like basically the way that big budget movies are mostly made now is a company like let's say. Let's say Warner Brothers makes a like Batman v Superman, right? So, like, they'll essentially put up half the money for a movie and then they try and find somebody to put up the other half. And so, like, Brett Ratner would be part of that other half. Like, he would put it up and then he would get a chunk of those profits if it happens. But he's putting up the risk by putting up the money, right? And it just basically ensures the studio that, you know, they don't go bankrupt with one movie, it takes two instead right? (laughs) Like basically like helps them out a little bit. So it cuts their, they don't get as much profit, but it also cuts their risk as well. And so Brett Ratner is no longer in that process with Warner brothers. Um, I hope everybody else follows suit, but I'm not going to hold my breath because the New York times who helped really was instrumental in, in this, uh, me too movement, starting by breaking some of these stories. Um, they were just writing a piece about like what's going to happen when, when the public, like when Louis C.K. starts his redemption arc. And they were talking about it as if it was a, um, a, uh, foregone conclusion. And dude, I just, no. Stop it. Like I get that there might be some lesser things that over time, maybe somebody learns their lesson, but he is like pulling out his dick and making people watch it and cornering them in his office. And like their job was kind of on the line with it. Like he should never get another chance. And it just bothers me that we're five months away from the start of that movement. And they're already talking about like redemptive arcs for like Matt Lauer and Louis CK and all the, like fuck that dude. That's, this is messed up, you know yeah. what I mean it's just we need to stop this shit like people who did that with such a gross abuse of power like no fuck those guys they they need to go away like they got more money than you and I will ever see they'll be fine, but even if they weren't fine when you like abuse somebody like that, fuck you you know how would you feel if it was a family member or, like a friend or somebody you know? Like or yourself, like if you look at it through that prism, do you ever want this person to get a redemptive arc? Like, no, fuck that. Like, yeah, I just I hate how we like play scandals as if it's like a movie script. You know what I mean?
1: And not a good movie script. No, either. like
0: a like a movie script for uh uh, <laughs> what was that movie? I fucking went off on an oscar season see i've already shoved it out of my my mind three billboards outside of ebbing missouri like fuck that script and fuck the real life version of that script right now we don't need redemptive arcs for all these people but anyway um more dc news here so birds of prey is being made. So we talked about how they were floating around four or five possibilities for Harley Quinn. The first one they mentioned is the one that's actually going to happen. So Birds of Prey is being spun off with with Harley Quinn. Um, It'll start after Tarantino's Manson film wraps because uh, Margot Robbie is in that movie. So after that finishes, they're they're looking to start filming. Um, They've tapped Kathy Yan... To direct it who she did some movie that was i think in sundance that made some noise called dead pigs but um she'll probably sign on after the script is finished is what the word is so she's just waiting to make sure it's it's what she wants to do but it sounds like she's almost a sure thing and it's being written by christina hodson who's now writing batgirl so we don't know who the lineup for birds of prey will be for sure, except for Harley Quinn, but I'd say Batgirl's a pretty pretty yes. good like possibility considering she was in the comics and this the same lady who's writing Batgirl is writing this movie. Pretty safe. And to they're say probably Batgirl'll gonna ha-
1: are they gonna have poison ivy in that, aren't they?
0: Maybe. I don't know. She's I don't think she's part of the Birds of Prey initially. It's like the Huntress, it was Catwoman, and it was a uh, Batgirl. Okay. I think. And then, so like Harley Quinn, they're shoehorning in, but it works. So you're thinking of like Batman, the animated series, and this is fresh in my mind because my daughter was literally watching that episode last night. <laughs> she just out of nowhere was like, Hey daddy, what was that one show that had Harley Quinn that, that you watched when you were a kid? And I was like, Oh, Batman, the animated series. She's like, yeah. So I like found it for her on Amazon and, uh, like Showed her like there was twelve Harley Quinn episodes, and so she picked the one she wanted to watch, and it was the the one where she teams up with Poison Ivy. So, <laughs> and they had a few of those because doesn't she? I'm trying to remember, I think she's eventually teams up with Poison Ivy and maybe Batgirl as well. And I think they like like started a detective agency or something.
1: God, it's been so long.
0: Yeah, I think it was something like that because my daughter like watched clips on YouTube of it. And I was just like, oh, no, kiddo, you got to watch this show. It's actually really good.
1: That <laughs> show was pretty good.
0: Yeah, when I watch it now, I mean, it's not as adult as a lot of the superhero comic comics were or cartoons were now. But like for the time, like it, it was the template that all of the stuff now is building off of, you know, and it is just good. It's just good. Like, I love hearing Mark Hamill doing the Joker the He's fucking so, best
1: joker. Yeah,
0: so good. Um so hopefully they're tapping that that kind of birds of prey stuff, you know. Uh let's see here, what else? Oh, so <laughs> we've got some movie development news. So uh there's two do you want to hear about Well, let's start let's start with the the dumber one and then move on to the also dumber one. Um, So mask (laughs) is being developed as a franchise by Paramount.
1: Are you talking like the car fucking
0: thing? Yes, where people wear masks and they like control cars that like fly and shit. Fuck. And it's a mask. It's an acronym for um, I don't even remember except for combatants is the last word and they spell combatants with a K. So that works with Mask. Yeah, it kind of is, but it, it, don't worry because they're tapping Gary Gray to direct it, who's black, so it's fine, I guess. But uh, he directed the Fate of the Furious, Straight Out of Compton, Be Cool, and The Italian Job. What the fuck is he doing on this movie? Seriously, you know,
1: I will say those were pretty great action movies. Like I enjoyed all. Like Straight Out of Compton wasn't an action no, uh, movie. <laughs> take that one out of it but fate of the furious was a fun action movie i enjoyed the remake of the italian job not as good as the original but
0: i mean fucking mark wahlberg fucking mark wahlberg (laughs) not not disheveled mark wahlberg what was i saying earlier (laughs) Mm -hmm. washed out mark Mark wahlberg Wahlberg. (laughs) I should probably learn that guy's name, but that's what I used to do on Real Roulette when it was with Zach. When we didn't know somebody's name, we would just describe him as that, you know, and that was just what we call him the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> something I picked up when I was uh, when I was a teenager. My mom used to watch. I think it was Days of Our Lives. And I would refer to everybody by how they look. So I remember one of them I called bitchy look lady because she always was like frowning and pissed at everybody every time I saw her. So I just called her bitchy look lady. I now would be this- resting
1: bitch face.
0: Yeah, yeah, would be resting bitch face now. But we didn't have that term back in those <laughs> days, so that was just what I called her. And then I think exorcist girl was one of them, because <laughs> all I knew about her was like they had that whole exorcism plot where she got taken over by the devil or something. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I saw just enough to be thoroughly confused by it. <laughs> we had As some- you should be. We had some girlfriends in high school that watched that, too, as I recall.
1: Shoot, I think my wife watched that for a long
0: my time. My wife still watches that show.
1: Is it still on?
0: Yeah. Wow. It's one of the few soap operas still on. You know, that that actually leads me to something. I, I've had this theory for a couple of years. I don't know if I've ever floated out on the podcast, but I think the reason why soap operas are disappearing off a of TV is because of reality TV. And I don't mean programming space. I mean, like, what you i was noticing it when she was watching a soap opera all the beats that are in a soap opera are in reality shows all the time you know and it's actually gotten
1: more prevalent i mean there's i've been watching uh the joel McHale show on netflix
0: yeah by the way uh we never reviewed that or anything we talked about it before it came up but never i watched a couple of them i can't hang with that show i it's the soup right yeah, it's I hate the soup. The soup. <laughs> I always hated the soup. I still hate the soup. It's fine for what it is. I get like I remember you were a big fan of the soup, so I can yeah. see why you like it. But
1: I I watch it just because it's something everybody watches. Yeah, but you like, you like the soup. Just own I watch it, man. Just own I, Dude, it. I wa- I yeah. totally love the soup. <laughs> um, this one's a little different, but it's basically the same show. Yeah. Um. Anyways, but like. This is like all of like I get everything that like happens on reality TV like in a 30-second humorous block. Right. Or a 30-minute humorous block. See, or the, 22 minutes, I guess, not the, even like a full half hour.
0: The only reality TV that I see is when like River and my wife are watching it in a room.
1: And that's and all, I come
0: walking in And, like, I would say that, like, 75% of the time, I just walk out of the room, and then 25% of the time, I can't help but go off on a rant about how horrible whoever is on the TV is from, like, the three seconds I just heard them open their mouth, and then I basically get pushed out of the room. (laughs) And the the best part about watching... I'm terrible, dude. I shouldn't judge other people's TV, but it's just, like, it's so the encapsulation of everything that I don't value that it just... Oh God! crazy it's fucking like the best part about it
1: watching it is like it's like a weekly affirmation it's like you don't want to pay that extra 20 bucks a month for cable <laughs> you don't want this because your family will watch this fucking garbage
0: yeah because i
1: mean it's like the fucking vanderpump rules or i guess i think that's the Name of a show. Yeah, I think, like I, think, the real I, think house. I have
0: people that watch that in my house, for sure.
1: Uh, the Real Housewives the blah, blah, yeah. blah. Just, like, I know. And, I mean, my wife's and my kids still watch, like, RuPaul's Drag Race. Like, they've... Uh, Uh, America's Next Top Model. I'll
0: say, like, with RuPaul's Drag Race, do they sit there and talk shit about each other and backstab? Yes. Yeah, I can't watch that either, then. Because, like, at first, I want to be behind the concept of it, but then it just gets down to, like, what I hate about reality TV. It's fucking reality TV. Which is is what I hate about soap operas, I gotta be honest. (laughs) Which is just, like, it's just the drama for drama's sake yeah and, and like it- it's fine like I get that out of comic books I guess but like I, you know what I get out of comic books that I really love and I, I've spoken to this before but it's it's the heroic moments like that's what keeps me going on like comic books I, that's why I can't really get into Punisher or things like that because like it's, it's those moments where it's just like somebody doing the right thing and it's there's been a lot of comparisons for soap operas to comic books which is fair i mean they both They never have a final act. They go on forever. Like, you know, they are dramatic and and everything. But, like, the key difference is, like, soap operas, everybody's going to murder somebody at some point or help cover up a murder or, like, uncover a murder just to backstab somebody. Like, nobody's altruistic in soap operas. And there's always somebody altruistic in, in the comic books I read. And I guess that's sort of the difference, like, the line that I have. You know what I mean? And it's it's fine. Like I get that that feeds some kind of need that people have. Maybe it's just to laugh at the dredges of humanity. Like I can get that. That's what I have B movies for. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's just to laugh at like how shoddy something is. And that's probably not altruistic of me to laugh at that, but like I do. Yeah. But I don't I don't get that fulfillment out of reality TV. That I think a lot of people get. It just like, it makes me mad when I watch it. It just makes me furious, dude. I can't. Yeah,
1: you know, I think this is a good point, like, to bring up. Cause I've been, uh, I finally finished last season, iZombie, and I've got caught up on this season. And cause that show is almost soap opera at times. Mm-hmm. But. It's, this season is so fucking good. Like, I, we got caught up, like, we just uh, went through our DVR and just, like, power watched, like, because we were shit six, seven episodes behind, because I think they just, I think they're on eight or nine now. And so we just, like, power watched, because we didn't realize, like, we missed, like, the second half of last season, Oh, <laughs> so we <laughs> so had to catch up. So we got on Netflix and rewatched or finished that season. And then we like power binge watched the first half of this season. And that shit got fucking dark. Like, so the premise of the show right now is like the first three seasons were building up to what they were calling D Day, is when like the general public finds out, like, there's fucking zombies everywhere. Mm-hmm. And then, like, there's this, like, secret society. Like, it's kind of like uh, their version of Halliburton, like a government paramilitary uh, organization. Okay. But um,
0: isn't Halliburton, like, an energy company?
1: Uh that's their main goal, but like,
0: I guess they got to protect the oil fields and shit. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Okay. So they do
1: have like a paramilitary okay. division. I just I
0: put guess. that together in my head.
1: <laughs> so, um, basically it's a bunch of like militarized zombies and they, somebody high up in that organization, like broke into like the lab there, like this, Bird flu type epidemic, and so they like poison or like tainted all the vaccines, so that everybody that got the vaccine ended up being a zombie. So like suddenly there's like ten thousand zombies in uh,
0: downtown Seattle. So they got the numbers now.
1: <laughs> so basically, they walled off all of Seattle. Wow. <laughs> And so, like, it's this fucking, like, it's like Green Zone Baghdad. Like, everything is, like, under curfew and controlled by this, like, paramilitary state. Um, And it's fucking, it's really interesting. I mean, it's basically uh, militia controlled. Um, They've got, like, small groups that are being... Promoted for um, religious reasons, like there's a religious cult of zombies. So, I mean, there's so many factions and it's really interesting where they went with this show. And I think it's the best it's been. (coughs) So, I would suggest, like, it's probably my third favorite Berlani show right now.
0: Okay. Behind
1: uh, Flash and DC Legends.
0: Okay, I gotta catch up on Legends. I'm a. I'm, I just realized I'm like four episodes behind, but Me I'm caught too. up on Flash and Supergirl. <laughs> uh, actually, the last, not the last episode, but the second to last episode of the Flash, Kevin Smith directed. So I haven't watched that one yet. Oh, it's great. It's got a. They don't call him Jay and Silent Bob, but it's totally but it's Jay, Jay and Silent, Silent Bob. Bob. Yeah. <laughs> There's no question about it. Anyway, so uh, yeah, mask. That's gonna be a flaming pile Fuck of dog that. shit, <laughs> dude. That cartoon
1: wasn't even good when no, I it saw so it terrible. as a
0: kid. I had the car that like the the doors flipped up like a Delorean, and it would fly. And the action figure was like like half an inch tall, dude. They were like terrible. The super tiny Just thing. Yeah, probably a like choking almost hazard. like micro machine size. I mean, the cars were. They were The cars were transformer size, but the people who went into the cars were Uh-oh. so tiny. <laughs> yeah, anyway, uh, another shitty property that they're re-spitting out is Masters of the Universe. They got uh, the Knee Brothers to direct. David S. Goyer wrote the script and will be involved in production. And I'm just becoming convinced that anything David S. Goyer touches is going to be shit, so I'm not so looking forward to So what has he done... Oh, little movie called Batman v Superman, <sighs> uh, Justice League. He had a hand in. Um, no, he didn't. No, he didn't. Never mind. Uh, Man of Steel. Yeah, uh, <laughs> fuck that shit. <laughs> yeah, he's done. A, he's done a lot of bad shit. Um. Anyway, so I'm not looking forward to that. Like, I I liked T Man when I was a kid. I really don't think it doesn't the even hold out fertile for. They had a cartoon when my kids were little, too, and I remember seeing one or two episodes and being like, ah, it's even hitting the things, and it's a better version of the cartoon that I watch, but blech. That Do
1: you makes remember when gr- they did the
0: Space He-Man thing for a while? Kind of. Yeah, like I... I never was a huge never, Masters of the Universe. Oh, dude, I had every action figure when they first came out. Those were too close to dolls. Oh, I don't care. When
1: I was... See, I'm, my dad had this thing about dolls. Kids oh, playing with he didn't dolls. want you to
0: play with dolls? Yeah. It's funny, because, like... But yeah, Transformer. No, you had GoBots.
1: I had GoBots.
0: Because <laughs> they were less doll-like. <laughs> no,
1: because they were cheap. Right. They were the cheap Kmart brand.
0: Yeah. <laughs> It was so funny the way you're like, yeah, like just the shame dipped into you. That's like something you've never gotten over, huh? <laughs> no matter how old you get, you still played with Gobots. <laughs> the funny thing was the Gobots were well more constructed than the Transformers. Oh, I believe were. it, dude. I I love telling about um this one Christmas. So so almost every Christmas, my parents would like give me one big toy. And I think I'd have to ask them. but I think if I remember right, they would actually kick in money together to get me a big gift. So like, even though they were divorced and living in different States, they gave a shit about us enough to where they would like, they were like one great Christmas present a year and they would kick money together to get it for us. Maybe I'm wrong at this. My mom or dad are like yelling at their earphones right now, but I think that's what they did anyway. Uh, if I'm wrong, mom and dad, just keep in mind it makes you look better if I'm, um, you know, if this story You're being altruistic. Yeah, if team. you let this story sound true, it sounds better. Anyway, so like so they got this one year I was really into Transformers, and they got me the fucking biggest transformer that ever was. It was fucking huge. Like it sat. When I when I stand, it was up to my kneecap, like me, adult Alex, like it's fucking big, like in robot form, and then it turned into an aircraft carrier, and then it turned into this giant truck that would like, so it was like a three-way transformer, and the giant truck could like carry, I don't know, like a shitload of transformers. But I got it in the daycare and I'd had it for a week, dude. And I was carrying it across the daycare. I didn't even do anything rough with it. I was just fucking carrying it. And like right at the waist, there was like this bar in the middle and it just fucking snapped under the weight and just broke in half. And it was, and it was metal. So you couldn't like super glue it back together or anything. Like it was just fucked. I had it for a week and it completely got fucked. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> shit
1: I remember the transformer I had like I remember it was uh, I don't think it was jazz it was like a white car I can't remember Yeah. anyway like I remember like the doors fucking fell off and like the <laughs> wheels would fucking fall off after a week but like,
0: Gobots, those are eternal <laughs> dude I had you still had them for, after like, the high four, school I know yeah, that yeah for years yeah yeah <laughs> Anyway, uh let's see what else. I had one other thing. Oh, so um so I got one more thing and then and then we can probably call it good unless you have anything else, but uh so we went and saw a quiet place uh the horror movie that's been like topping the box office the last couple of weeks. Uh so it's got and his name escapes me at the moment, but the guy who plays Jim in the office. Uh, I can't. Did you, ever, did you ever watch the office? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So, Jim, like he directed it and started it. Uh, Emily Blunt plays his wife. It's his real life wife. It's basically about a family, and it seems like most of the world is wiped out by these creatures that, whenever they hear sound, they attack. Like they're blind, but. Oh, I. They're attracted by noise. Like the trailer has. The trailer was all over the place, and like it has like the family walking down the bridge and then that kid's got that toy that makes a bunch of noise and then like he like jim goes running his name's not jim and this i I don't think they ever actually say his name but um it's really interesting because his the oldest daughter in the family in real life is played by a a girl who's mute and so she knew sign language and it's important to him to to get somebody for the part who spoke sign language. And then she taught the entire cast to speak sign language. So there's very little dialogue in this movie. And almost all of it that happens is through sign language. And then they subtitle the sign language. So like, it makes sense why this family like knows sign language so well, because they have somebody in the family who's already deaf and uh, I don't want to give away a whole lot about this plot, but it's really fucking good. Like it's a really effective horror movie. Like it just works. The fact that they make it around a family. The thing that I keep thinking about is it's basically signs. If it didn't have the shitty part about water, <laughs> right? Like science could be a perfect movie, but then there's the water thing at the end. The water thing is so inherently stupid that it's just, it's the building block of life. Why would an alien go to a planet that's 90% water? Like, none of that shit makes sense. I'm not saying anything revolutionary here. Like, everybody saw it, saw the twist, and was like, that's a fucking stupid twist. This movie, no dumb water twist. <laughs> like, there is, a, there is, like, a twist with it at the end, but even that... And I can talk about it if you ever watch it. We can talk about this more in depth because I don't want to ruin anything. Because this is one you're going to want to watch. It's really good. And it's good in a way where, like, it's not like the Babadook where it's, like, off the beaten path. And so it's, like, I like it because it's unusual and makes me think. Like, this movie is just, like, really well done, I think. It's really well done. You do see the creatures at parts. But, like, they're really effective with the way they do it. I think the Duffer brothers produce this who do Stranger Things. And you can see it in the creature design. Like, there's certain parts of the creature where it kind of reminds me of um, of the demigorgon. Um, but it's just like, it's really well done and it like speaks to something that I always have, like, which is like when we talk about zombie apocalypses or whatever, I'm like, I always say, I hope it doesn't happen. Cause my family would be fucked. Like I, like river would talk within three seconds and <sighs> be taken, you know what I mean? Like my daughter would throw a temper tantrum, boom, she's got like, I don't want to live without my kids. You know what I mean? so it's like that idea is like so frightening to me. And this is a family of five. That just immediately collapses into four and then they have a baby and then you think what the fuck is going to happen when she has a baby because like I mean they fucking they're playing Monopoly with like they have padded dice and everything padded and stuff and then they accidentally knock over a lantern and it just makes a sound and then they're fucking terrified they're in a fucking giant house that's like a fortress basically And they make the tiniest sound. And it's just like they're all fucking terrified that these things are going to come out for them. So it's like it's really intense. Like it's there There are like great chunks of time where you'll just find yourself not breathing watching this movie because it's so intense. And it's it's just I think if you're a parent, it's really going to be more effective than any other way. I just think like it really kicks into like those paternalistic kind of instincts that you have, you know, to like protect. So it's a really good movie. I'd, I'd really recommend it. Uh, very effective. I, I thought, I think, I, I think it might have been an R movie, but I think they really could have gotten away with the PG 13. Like it wasn't super gory, but it's like it is frightening. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm glad they made it R because if it was PG 13, I wouldn't have checked it out. <laughs> <laughs> But they totally could have gotten away with the PG-13, I think. Um, Anyway, so check that out. That kind of reminds me. So we had Friday the 13th this week, right? Uh, Last week. Was that last week? Yeah. Was it? Or was it just the Friday after we podcasted? It was the Friday after. (laughs) It's April 19th. So yeah, it was six days ago. Yeah. Yeah, it was right after we recorded. So yeah, we just had Friday the 13th this week. Yeah. my wife wanted to watch some horror movies so we watched the old It because I wanted like my daughter I, I Harry don't like Anderson. Excluding her. Yeah that was the thing was like I just watched Harry Anderson and then heard that news but uh that doesn't hold up as well as I thought it did. It, it's been like five or six years since I've seen <laughs> It. It has drastically fallen behind. Um Not ready to just crown the new movie yet. I still have a lot of problems with it. I enjoyed it on the most part but definitely holds up better than like (laughs) I realize when you're watching like a TV movie from 1990 by the way in the TV movie we had this argument you were saying 27 years uh, which they do say in the new movie but I was like I thought it was 30 years it's totally 30 years in the old show and it's 30 years in the book I checked so like they changed it to 27 years why did they change it to 27 years probably because they wanted that new kids on the block joke right like, I think that's why they wanted 27 years. Well, they were like, we didn't want to release this today. We don't want to
1: wait another three years to yeah, release Yeah, because it
0: me. already took, like, seven years to get it to the screen already. But um, I also think it was because it was 27 years since the old It movie came out. So, I think...
1: that, that Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, so everybody's like, oh, yeah, 27 years. But no, nah, it's, it's 30. It was 30. I wasn't wrong. You know, it's a nice round number. Whatever. It doesn't matter. I just... I noticed that. So we watched that. And then uh, my wife really wanted to watch Friday the 13th. And so I'm like, which the, one? The OG? Yeah. So she was like the OG. I have not seen the original Friday the 13th since I was in high school. And I got some thoughts, man, when I was re-watching this. Um, first off... Very different than the other Friday the 13th movies. Not just because it's Jason's mom, but like it's just a very different movie. Like there's very there's not that much blood. There's a little bit, but not that much. They use movie that's or they use music in the movie that's almost a direct rip-off of psycho. There's a lot of <laughs> kind of music. Like, a lot of strings and stuff, like, directly ripped off from Psycho Dude. A lot of running scenes that are ripped off right out of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, like the original. I'm just sitting there watching. I'm like, wow, now that I'm so much older, I can see all the things that they stole from. <laughs> <laughs> and it was really funny. We we watched most of it with River. She, she wasn't in for the very beginning, but then she was watching it. And then she started, like, getting on her phone, and she was talking... Like at the end of the movie I'm like River put down your phone And she's like ah, Like puts down her phone And I'm like it's not over yet And they're sitting there talking in the hospital And all, all that And uh, and then all this Or no she's like floating in the canoe And she's like on her phone I'm like River put down your phone And then like one minute later Jason pops out of the canoe And like pulls her down And like she goes oh my god And like almost threw her phone in the air And I was like <laughs> yeah I didn't want you to miss that part it's like the biggest scare in the movie (laughs) and I thought I gave it away by telling her to put down her phone but apparently it's still effective so that's nice didn't work on me but you know I remember that scene and I remember a lot of the rest of the movie that scene I knew was coming like I love that scene I remember I think I only remember like two scenes out of the movie
1: I remember uh, Kevin Bacon with the fucking arrow arrow through through the the neck
0: I had a poster of that from Fangoria when i like, was a kid
1: that one i'll i don't think i'll ever remember,
0: forget yeah, and that when one. you watch it now it's so fucking fakey because like you can see how his neck so puffs out before the arrow comes out because it's like so clearly a fake neck like, it's so fakey when you watch it now. It's, like, the fakest shit you've ever seen. Maybe I'm just watching it on a different level than I did when I was younger. Well, then I'm like, and I could totally see how that's, like, latex right there. And then they have a thing fed so that they can push it up. Like, yeah, I could totally see it.
1: <laughs> there's a difference when you're watching shit in high def nowadays
0: that's true but i'm betting i would see that shit on vhs too (laughs) but yeah it's more glaring when you're watching it high def that is for sure and you know do you remember when i was talking to you about when i got the evil dead on blu-ray and i was like it's actually better on dvd because all the like like uh dirt and grains and stuff in the film come out in the hd so it looks shittier same deal with this one. Like, it's, I could see it's that it's better not in high def because when it's in high def, you see all the faults in the film, and there's a lot of them. Like, it, you know, I don't think they felt like they had to preserve that shit forever. I don't think they knew it would turn into what it turned into, you know. But anyway, sorry, I just I had to bring that up because <laughs> we just watch it, and you know, we have a soft spot for Jason Voorhees on this podcast. So I
1: definitely have a soft spot for Jason Sport Voorhees.
0: <laughs> well, anything else you want to bring up? Or uh,
1: next week, I'm definitely going to be reviewing Super Troopers too. Yeah, because I'm going to see it probably tomorrow night.
0: I'm going to try. I'm going to try, but that's depending on a babysitter situation. We'll see. Yeah, but I don't know. We'll see. I've
1: been like so amped to see this movie for
0: a while. Uh, The podcast will come out on Thursday night as per normal. We will not have seen Infinity War when the podcast uh, posts, so don't worry. We will talk about it the next week. But I think me and Brandon are going to record a day early or something. I don't know. If not, I was talking with Carl and might do a podcast with Carl. Regardless. I know Carl
1: has some shit to say. Yeah. <laughs> I ran into him uh, last Saturday.
0: <laughs> I work with Carl now, so we've been working out a lot of shit in the kitchen. <laughs> we talk a lot. <laughs> but uh, like, I guess the point I'm getting at is, like, we will not be talking about Infinity War next week. It'll be so fresh anyway that, like, Most people aren't going to want to hear it till a week later. Yeah.
1: And, you know, everybody else wants a chance to see that without spoilers. So,
0: yeah. So you got a week. You got a week to watch, you know, or you can just like hold off on listening to the podcast till you see it. Don't do that. Watch the fucking movie. Yeah. Yeah. Watch the fucking movie and then listen to us because we don't charge you anything. And our shit's only good if you listen to it right away. <laughs> that's not true. Sometimes I listen to old episodes and enjoy it. Not as much as I used to. I think my ego is like eroding. <laughs> well, That's why I listen to older episodes. And if they're not in like the last couple of years, I'm like, oof. Just think of all the stuff we do better now.
1: There's a lot of better shit going on now.
0: Yeah. Better recording, like better interplay, like. But like we know what we're doing is a show now than we used to that's what always kills me is like when we'd go off on a rant that went nowhere and it's just like nobody knows how to like pull it back <laughs> That's <laughs> so dangerous territory i feel like we really figured it out when it was you me and zach like when it was the three of us we really figured it out and from that point on I think everything's pretty listenable, but there were some darker days before that when we didn't know what the hell we were doing.
1: Well, that didn't help. We were, like, hanging out in a garage somewhere, like...
0: Uh, sometimes. Yeah, we were in lots of locations. We are at Adrian's house with, like, kids screaming sometimes. Yeah. (laughs) Like, in the way earlier episodes, pre-100 episodes. (coughs) (coughs) Well, it's probably a good place to cut off, so... Uh, Take it easy. Thank you for listening to the Not Safer Network. Check out one of our many other shows, Charles Orr Horror Show, Geek Lantern's Light, Movies with Wrestlers, Real Roulette, The Alien Movie Project, Montucky Skies, and We Had a Good Life.